what I would say opening the heart means is to connect with, uh, actually literally opening your heart chakra. So it's like um, allowing the noise in the mind to quiet and allowing your awareness to descend into a feeling space and then going so deep inside the center of that feeling space that you could actually feel this love energy that you didn't make up. It's just there. Hi, Sergey. I don't know where my guest is, so now we're having, at this point, an open discussion. Hey, um, how are you? Good, how are you? Sorry, right, I'm late. That's okay. Um, Anush had asked uh, uh, if opening the heart is unconditional love. And uh, so I was answering that. It's, I really find um, a, a good way of describing it is that opening the heart is letting go, uh, finding how to quiet the noise in the mind and allow your awareness to shift into a feeling space. And then in that feeling space, you go like deeper into that feeling space. And when you go deep enough, this warm energy that you did not make up in your mind, but that actually just exists when you go deep enough inside you, it meets you. It actually sparks of its own accord. Um, and it, I feel it, and anyone that I've ever spoken with um, about this or guided to this experience, it actually comes through the center of the chest. And when we feel this energy, it changes the way we feel fundamentally inside. Um, there's a, a natural peace and comfortability with self and clarity. Like there, are, in our lives, there's so much, um, so much kind of like pushing and pulling that comes from what we feel like we need out in the world or in our relationships. And when we feel this energy, all that push and pull goes away. So there's a deep natural peace and a sense of, um, a sense of self-worth in a sense. It's really, it's like the question of self-worth goes away. You no longer question your self-worth and you don't even necessarily feel like you have self-worth because you just feel so good that the question becomes irrelevant. There's no question of self-worth. So um, from that place then, so my definition of unconditional love now is to hold that space uh, unconditionally, to hold that space no matter what the conditions are. Now that's a, that's a goal. That's, you know, it's challenging. We go through life and things happen and they're confusing. Uh, or distressing. I mean, I even had a, a cricket in the house this morning and I'm thinking, great, I'm going to be recording this cricket background noise that I can't turn off if I want to for this webinar. <laughs> and I was processing, you know, irritation about the cricket. So things happen that can distract us. What's really going on in my mind is I'm thinking about this cricket. I'm thinking about the consequences of the cricket. And my thinking is loud about the cricket and I'm having emotional reaction to it. And that's distracting me from the heart space. But then I'm like, ah, you know, I can't control it. We'll let it go. And then I just breathe and descend into my feeling sensitivity without thinking, feeling without thinking. And then, uh, and then enter and go deep enough into that and relax into that, that I can connect with that love energy inside. 
so basically it's uh, this feeling is beyond thought so you have to okay so you have to let go of your thought process i mean the thoughts that are going and you have to go to a feeling awareness yes you know this is kind of similar to what eckhart toll says in his book the power of now okay i'm uh, even yeah i have not read it completely but uh, i have read it partially so he talks about an awareness which is uh, within us and uh, it's kind of what kind of similar to what you're describing you know you can just feel it and uh, that is the source of bliss as he describes it so it's kind of similar yes so how has been your own experience of um yeah of of working towards that space for yourself yeah of course uh, it is difficult for me personally because there is so much going on in the mind uh, that you know it's not easy to quieten it but uh, as you said that uh, uh, see the the kind of love that you're describing is something very deep i mean it's kind of uh, of a very deeper level so going there requires i think a lot of uh, focus and concentration maybe and practice so obviously i'm not there yet but uh, uh, generally speaking i try to feel better feeling thoughts you know kind of uh, even though it is at a very superficial level uh, as compared to what you are describing but uh, that is where i am i am at currently you could mm-hmm. say that great is there anything um if i could help you with anything today what would that be yeah maybe uh, uh that would be you know how do i let go of the thoughts which are very uh powerful and intrusive and negative i mean they are just they have so much force over my mind that uh, letting go of them is very difficult even after meditating regularly you know these kind of thoughts many of some of the negative patterns still exist so so you know, how do i go into that deeper level of what you're describing how do we go about it basically okay <laughs> Um so I don't know if you can see chat but Jessica just commented about what you just said. Um Yeah, I saw. It. Thank you. Okay. So uh, I feel like there's two um two avenues of response that come to mind. Um so one of them is um well first may I ask in your meditation practices are you feeling like you can connect with that feeling place not necessarily the love energy but a feeling place that's not connected to um a feeling place that is without thought yes uh, what i actually do is i try to concentrate on my breath uh, for 10 to 15 minutes i do it every day so during that period of time my thoughts uh, the momentum stops and i feel a kind of inner peace okay and where do you feel that inner peace maybe in my abdomen you could i mean it starts at the abdomen and if i go deep enough i mean on some days i mean when it's a little bit stronger i feel that uh, a light a kind of lightness in my body like i am kind of weightless i mean my as if my weight decreases okay okay um 
So I have another uh, suggestion in addition to what you're already playing with, if you want to try it. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, which is to relax and feel what the inner space of your body feels like um, as you breathe. Uh, so that, hmm, it's kind of like letting the feeling sensations um, or your curiosity about the subtle inner, the subtle feeling sensations in the inner space of your body, let that fill up your awareness so that that becomes the way in which thoughts are replaced. Um, although for myself, when I'm doing this, if I'm starting from a place where my thoughts are very active, then I have to, well, I guess that's what I do is I transfer my attention to what does the inner space feel like. And uh, so that's how I get out of thinking. Um, and the reason I'm suggesting it in addition to what you're doing is because um, my experience of it is, uh, hi, Alexander. Hello. Hello. I'm just responding to Anuja's asking how to, um, how to go deeper than the distractions he's experiencing from negative thoughts. So I have a couple mm -hmm. of suggestions for him. Um, go on, go on. Okay. So, uh, so the reason that I'm suggesting this exercise is because when I feel it, I feel very embodied, um, but in a comfortable way. And uh, so it might be a different angle on connecting with feeling than what you're experiencing so far. So just, uh, if you feel like it, try it and see what comes of that. Um, and actually, when you get a sense of, if you try that and you like it and it's working for you, you can also then add a layer of actually concentrating your feeling curiosity in the center of your chest and then just go deeper and deeper into the center of your chest. So, but you, you could play with the beginning of that and then check in with me again if you have something you want to talk about about it. Um, so then the other side of it is dealing with the thoughts. So uh, on the one hand, we want to develop our reference point for the experience of the alternative to the ego state of mind. So that's the purpose, in my opinion, of meditation um, and also diving into the heart space to look for connecting with that love energy. And then on the other side, we also have a lot of um, subconscious programs that we learned that we personally built when we did not, you know, all this time that we've been surviving in the world without being able to connect with love energy, we developed beliefs that we can trust or we believe that we can trust. Uh, but these beliefs reflect a world without love. And a world without love is full of conflict, it's full of fear, it's full of um, battles of will where people are struggling. And these are not fun things. So this is where negative thoughts and emotions come from. And uh, so when we get into a situation, what happens is we end up reaching for what we trust without thinking about it which means that we reach for our subconscious program, we reach for our beliefs, we reach for our, our emotional learning. And so then the way we need to deal with that in order to um, 
creates faith in our mind is actually take those events as opportunities to examine the contents of our subconscious. And um, it really helps when we have a vision of what life is like in, when we're connected with love to help us understand what about the way we're seeing things from a disconnected place is not real. So it, it's without a reference for love, we can't really um, effectively sort those things out because we're just basically pushing things around, trying to figure out how to cope with a world that's not aligned with love. But when we can experience what that alignment with love feels like or develop while we're looking for that reference, also develop our understanding of what that world looks like, um, which is something that I help people with uh, through talking things through for understanding. Um, then that helps us to sort through those subconscious programs. It's hard to talk about it effectively in um, hypothetical, totally abstract way. Um, I could totally we can ground tell it. Some stories about it, though. Say again. We can tell stories about it, though. We can tell stories about it. Yes. I've got great stories about myself of, of the terrible things that the suffering that I've gone through because I thought I knew exactly what love was. You know, they teach us all about it in in romantic movies and. And even in in religious ceremonies, and it was completely wrong. And so all of my, what did you call it? My the the uh, um, what I was drawing on as my understanding of what love is was so completely inaccurate that it it actually led me to choose to to reject love and choose something else on purpose because I thought it wasn't love. Love's not supposed to feel like that. It's supposed to feel like something else. Oh, it led you to reject the, that deep spiritual experience of love? Spiritual experience of love. So, you it's know, cool, the spiritual experience of love is very, very gentle, yeah? It's very, very soft. It's, it's easy to miss it. It's yeah. not an amazing, uh, wow, I'm falling in love experience. It's a, an experience of peace and connection. And... Uh, if you, you're not kind of noticing that, you might skip over it, as I did. I completely skipped over it and shows passionate, intense experiences that were really quite destructive rather than the peaceful, gentle experiences. Me too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, we can certainly share examples from our own lives. Inertia, if you want to supply an example, we can also um, investigate yours one of yours more deeply. You're welcome to, to do that, but you don't have to if you don't want to. <sighs> yeah. Or even what realm of experience is it in? That one of them, is it in the work life or is it in the uh, romantic life or your day-to-day -day in the kitchen or, you know, the cricket? <laughs> Uh, I think uh, personally what I feel is that uh, the one of the emotions which I uh, really value is the emotion of appreciation, appreciation and gratitude. Uh, and uh, I think uh, love, what I feel personally is that appreciation, gratitude, love, they're kind of similar. 
but uh, on a lighter vein you can say uh, there is a the emotion of fun so uh. like for so if uh, you can say love and all gratitude appreciation they are kind of heavy and uh, i find that the emotion of fun is kind of light so uh, i know that many spiritual people talk about uh, you know love and gratitude and these kind of emotions but fun is something like i mean if you look at little kids you know little children they all they want to have is fun they don't want to i mean you know they are not looking for uh, uh, love i mean in the sense that adults talk theek hai what what they are talk about is uh, what they really uh, do the whole day is you know have fun so yes. i think uh, that is the kind of uh, maybe if you talk about goals the kind of goals that uh, spiritual goal that uh, personally i would like is you know be in that kind of state where i am really enjoying life or whatever i am doing kind of having fun genuine fun like as if the children are uh, you know they are in a, always in a state of fun and appreciation and love comes naturally to them so i think that kind of a goal as when we are adults is something which i think i should i am i strive for in day to day activities whether with be it work or uh, doing household work or you know anything or uh, you know watching uh, a movie or listening to a song so uh, that is the kind of emotion uh, which i uh, which is my goal you could say so uh, that is uh, what i'd like to explain mm-hmm. okay it's kind of so different that... from what you are uh, explaining as if as if it's not like a opening of a chakra or anything it's just something which i feel should be natural but uh, uh, during our years of conditioning when we grow up to become adults maybe all that has become suppressed the natural you know uh, zest for life which we had so i think uh, re- uh, rediscovering that is should be uh, should be one of our goals spiritually yes i have something to to share in re- reference to that alexander did you want to say anything you can read the floor first if you like it yeah i also have something to share on with reference to that you you can go first if you like okay so um when our mind gets all complicated with uh, all of our survival thoughts um we we lose our innocence right so as children children have innocence because they um they haven't yet become so complicated in their mind so what happens as we get complicated in our mind is we start to develop all kinds of shoulds um and we do get very serious like you're talking about um for me in my own life <laughs> i was also very serious about my spiritual pursuits and um i actually had to learn to lighten up uh and after i kind of learned to lighten up things actually got really um let's see i feel like there's so many things that led up to this but here's the bottom line for me uh when i started to peel off my ego structure and take the chance to speak from where i actually feel what i feel in my core without editing it that's when i started to have fun but i had to figure out how to um how to even feel my own core first but once i started to be able to feel it then i had this place of okay where do i where do i speak from now do i speak from what i'm actually feeling inside or do i speak from 
what I think I should say. So that became my struggle. Um, but gradually I, I got the courage to speak from what I'm actually feeling instead of what I think I should say or do what I'm actually feeling instead of what I think I should do. And as I did that, I came into alignment with myself and that's when life became fun again. So that's where I feel like I reclaimed the innocence that I had as a child. I reclaimed it as an adult. However, as an adult, I have enough, I have more wisdom. So I can better, sorry about that cricket. <laughs> it's okay. It's nice actually. Okay. <laughs> kind of, yeah. And uh, yeah, so as an adult, I have wisdom to actually be able to protect that innocent place. When I come across um, challenging experiences, I can understand them better. I can understand better how to hold my own alignment and still speak from that innocent place. So uh, I think then that's, that's been my experience of where fun comes from as an adult. Okay. Um, so, hi guys. I'm so sorry I was hi. late. Thank I you. ended up on this, uh, in this road trip uh, trying to get here on time outside of reception, couldn't even tell people I was going to be late. So it was a, a bit of an adventure. Um, I think with regards to fun, I think you're really on the mark. I think it's really important. And the way I would explain that is, is you know, there's a common uh, concept at the moment about being in the now how we need to be in the now rather than thinking all about the future and the past. And gratitude is what love looks like in the past. If we are thinking about the past and what happened to us and how things have happened to us and how, where they have come from, then we are thankful for the things that have come to us. And in the future, love looks like hope or desire um, it's something that we're looking forward to. But in the now, when you're totally present in something and you love it, then you're just having fun in it. And this is, this is most commonly talked about with the word flow at the moment. People talk about being in the flow and flow meaning like you're so much in tune with what you're doing and so loving what you're doing that you don't notice the passage of time. You don't notice anything else that's going on. You don't have any sense of stress because you're just so busy being completely 100% involved in what you're doing. And so this is a kind of fun that actually becomes part of everyday life, part of work, part of your activities rather than, so it's not the fun where I, I want to go and have a party so much as every moment of my work and my activities can be joyous. So I think that this is, is what we're looking towards when we talk about being in your center, finding your core. Shana, how much of your day do you feel you, you spend in, in that kind of flow? How much of my day? Oh, yeah. Well, it depends on the day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how much of your week then? Um, 
okay, in flow. You know, it's funny because I have a lot of projects. So when I'm uh, focused in the middle of a project, which could mean that I'm in a meeting um, or mm. that I'm working on writing something and things like that, um, I'm going for a ride inside that meeting or inside that writing. And it doesn't always feel like fun. Sometimes it feels challenging. Um, but mm. I do check in with myself flow-wise to enter each of those things that I'm doing. Um, so mm. I'm a meeting I'll schedule ahead of time, but I do, um, I do pay attention to my own sense of flow as I'm scheduling meetings. So I have a lot yeah. more, um, overall, I have a lot more fun and satisfaction in my life because I, I used to work on deadlines and I used to work under the belief that um, being a competent human being is proving my sense of value. So therefore, the busier I am and the more responsibilities I can juggle successfully, the, the more uh, valuable I am as a person. And then one day I'm driving down the road, I'm looking at this and I'm like, I didn't come to earth to be busy. <laughs> <laughs> and so I let go of that idea that that's how I prove my own value. And I started to pay more attention to what is it that I want to do and finding flow through even my work life. Um, and so overall, I feel like I have a lot more fun. Um, and, and I also want to say that I'm having a lot of fun right now. <laughs> yeah. I love being with people. This is an experience of being present and, and an opportunity to appreciate other people, not because I think I should, but because other people are showing up and being really honest and being themselves. And this is so much fun for me. I have a bloom in my heart right now. Um, so. And I have gratitude for the experience in this moment <laughs> as it happens. <laughs> gratitude in the moment is, a, is an interesting paradox that probably does exist. <laughs> <laughs> as a lot of the uh, deep, deep spiritual truths are very paradoxical like that. Yeah. Yes. So I also wanted to talk about thoughts. Um, I have a, a very simple technique for dealing with thoughts, which is write them down. It's amazing how effective it is to write your thoughts down. Once you've written them down, they don't come back again um, because you've really paid attention to them. Of course, you can do the same thing by just sitting there and paying attention to your thoughts, but it's really kind of hard work to pay attention to your thoughts. Whereas writing them down, it's really, really easy and it really works. There was one woman who was talking to me about how she was, constantly thinking negative thoughts. And I just gave her the exercise of every morning writing down her negative thoughts. And she came back to me a week later and said, I keep waiting for the negative thoughts and they don't come. Like there's an expectation that there's these things because I'm so familiar with them, but once they've been expressed, they just don't, don't hit you anymore. And I so this is where, where Buddhist the Buddhist meditation of watching your thoughts, this is what it's about, in the stillness of the space between the thoughts. It comes because your thoughts have had enough time to express themselves and have been heard and they don't need to shout at you anymore. Yeah. 
I spoke a couple days ago with a young woman who who um, described herself as completely unspiritual up until three years ago when she discovered that she was really not happy doing what she thought that she wanted to do for the rest of her life. And mm -hmm. this took her through, a, a, well, she ended up leaving her job and then she also lost her relationship. So she went through a real crisis where like everything fell apart. Mm -hmm. um, she started talking with a spiritual friend once a week and then she started to read um, the Bhagavad Gita, uh, another Indian scripture that I don't remember the name of, and the Bible, and listen to Eckhart Tolle and other things like that. And she, uh, she picked up meditation practices uh, similar to what you're talking about, Anush. And then she also journaled every morning just to put her ego thoughts down, like just to spill out the, whatever was inside her. And she continues to do this practice. She's been doing it for three years. I, and I totally enjoyed speaking with her. She's totally got this clarity about inner alignment, where in each moment she's, am I, is this the ego's voice? Or is this, as she calls it, um, the, the energy of life force moving me? Mm. So she's totally like clear. And I could totally feel her heart energy too. Um, so this writing things down thing, I mean, she had other support too, but this writing things down yeah. thing really, really Good thing. important. Yeah, I find I always- And have you, ever, have you ever tried a practice where you're expressing your ego in whatever way, the writing down the thoughts, I've also done it through playing music, um, expressing all of those negative issues inside to the point where there is nothing more to say? Um, so for me, I found that if I was indulging identification with the ego and speaking from there, that I was able to go around in circles and endlessly, um, <laughs> exacerbate the issue. But if I were to actually, uh, relax and witness, go to more of a witness place, then um, what I found to be beneficial and I uh, seems to have some element of self-direction to it was that I would look for, well, I'd feel an emotion. If emotion comes up, I feel the emotion. And I would like feel into the emotion energetically asking the emotion, what, what message do you have for me essentially? Like I felt like every emotion was a fortune cookie. And once I opened the fortune cookie and I received the message, the emotion would go away. But that doesn't mean that I arrived at a place of peace. It may have led me to another question and another emotion. So and I would just keep going until I felt peace. And then that led me perhaps to the genuinely innocent question I could ask the person that I had this experience with that had I had all the emotion around, but I didn't want to project my emotion onto them. So I tried to do the work myself. Sometimes it involved writing if I, uh, and sometimes not. I, I have always benefited from writing when I've done it because I, it slows down my thoughts and I'm able to, it, where if I just do it without writing, I might notice two thoughts or three thoughts. But then if yeah. I actually write, I will notice all the tiny thoughts 
that string those big thoughts together <laughs> that I just couldn't have uh, effectively broken the whole thing down if I didn't actually get the piece of paper and pen out. Another interesting thing is to, to use affirmations, um, but not just to, and to, again, to write them down. I like the writing down practice that seems to work for this. You write down the affirmation, whatever you choose, and then write down your personal response to it. So you're giving, acknowledging your negative response. And, uh, and then you write down the affirmation again and your response again. And you watch how your responses change. And you get uh, like an evolution of, of inner responses that gradually come to agreement in some way. That's beautiful. I have not worked with affirmations and the reason why, for the most part, and the reason why is because um, I found that what, the way I was using affirmations, which is completely different than what you just suggested, the way mm. I was using affirmations was to try to force myself into or try on an idea. It's okay to try on a new idea mm -hmm. for contrast, but what you're talking about is actually processing the contrast right then and there on the page. Which yeah, really yeah. that's right. And not trying to force yourself to be something, but to allow the experience of the affirmation to bring out your your darkness and air it into the light. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and then the question of what affirmation do you choose is an interesting one too. And one of the really simple ones is whatever thought you are thinking, just take the opposite one. It doesn't matter whether it's a good thought or a bad thought, just take the opposite one. Because what it does, it's looking for a state of not a positive state, but a, an empty state that allows for the truth to come in. So if you have two opposite thoughts, then they cancel each other out and lead to the, to the emptiness. That's so I, I come in here to this meeting late and I go, wow, am I, am I a person, am I a kind of unreliable person? Okay, then my affirmation should be, I'm a reliable person. And there's heaps to process in that because, you know, there's part of me saying, no, I'm a really unreliable and part of me saying I'm reliable. Okay, what's going on there? <laughs> very, very interesting process. And then you end up at the end of it. I don't know. I don't know what I am. I do. I'm just me. And that gives a lot of space for, for wisdom. Space for wisdom and also to be available for fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, have you ever heard any of you, have you ever heard Eckhart Tolle speak? Have you ever heard recordings of Eckhart Tolle speak? Yeah, I've heard, I mean, read his book a little but, bit, The Power of Now. Have, have you ever read, heard his voice? Have you heard him recording? Yeah, I, I have once or twice in, on YouTube. Yeah, can you tell me what, what your impression of him was? I don't know, he was just, uh, he looked like a middle-aged man. Yeah, and a normal person. I don't. I didn't perceive very anything cool. special. What's what I find very special about him is that whatever when he's talked, asked to talk about anything ordinary, anything in life, he laughs. Everything he says, he laughs. He just finds the world funny. And so he will be talking about the terrible sufferings in the world and how much we have to care for people, and then he will laugh about it. And it's like he cannot help himself from this this constant joy that is bubbling out in even the most inappropriate situations it's really beautiful 
I've seen a little bit of him and I have found his sense of humor to be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> but let's, let's talk about the core or the center and how do we find that, that center? Because that's a large part of your work, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And it's also a large part of, and it's also a large part of my work, but in quite a different way. Yes. So what would you like to know? <laughs> we so, so I think this flow and joy is, is the direction that we're looking for. Yeah, we can, can we, we can agree on that? Sure. Yeah, so question is one of the techniques that we are using to find this flow and joy um, is where do we find that in our body? And a lot of people are talking about the being in the head, the stress, the, the mind, the thoughts, and coming into the heart as a way of, of finding that joy and that gratitude. Um, and I think that in many cases is very true. But I've also noticed for myself in particular, and for some of the people that I work with, that it needs to be somewhere else in the body. So I started to look at different parts of the body where we can put our center and, and how we can kind of figure out where it is that I need to be. Not that we all need to be in the heart, but you know, some of us, maybe some of us need to be up here connecting to, to the spiritual higher realms. And some of us need to be in the belly in the kind of power and, and energy and not, not be quite so sweet. And, and for me, I actually had to be in the, the base chakra, the base of the spine, where I find relaxation, naturalness. Um, and so to be able to look at the different parts of our body and, and how can we identify that point where we find the joy and the peace and the, and the love. So I find what I find interesting about this um, aspect of the conversation um, is that uh, for me, like, so my North Star since I was very little actually was love energy. I wanted to, I believe that love was the ultimate power in the universe. I just didn't know how to realize that in my personal experience. And um, I found how to connect with that naturally, not as a creation of my own mind, but as something that actually came to meet me within myself when I discovered how to um, move, in a sense, move the seed of my soul or the seed of my consciousness into my heart center. Um, or even to abide in my feeling sense, which is larger, it's a sphere of, around the heart center, and then continue to have a listening ear into the heart center. But uh, what I feel like this practice is, and this experience of the human mind is, is I feel like um, I am aware of two places from which to run the entire mind. Um, and I always think of Star Trek. I don't know if anyone else watches Star Trek or used to watch Star Trek, 
but they had two bridges, right? There's like the main bridge and then there was the auxiliary bridge, or I don't know what they called it. Actually, I think it was like the war bridge, which is really great, <laughs> okay? Because, so from my perspective, when the our point of consciousness is sitting behind the eyes and you can actually feel where your point of consciousness it is possible to feel, feel where your point of consciousness is sitting. So I find when the point of consciousness is sitting behind the eyes, um, that's basically the war bridge. And I can move this point of consciousness um, down into the heart center. I can move it other places too. But here's um, what I wanted to bring to this. Um, there's something going on in every chakra in the body. Uh, we have seven chakras. I don't know if everyone's familiar with that. If you're not, say something so we can explain it. Um, but, yeah. so familiar. I have, what? Yeah, I'm not familiar uh, oh, okay, with okay. Uh, all the chakras. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. So, um, so we have, to my understanding, and there may be more chakras because there's always more to learn in the universe, but even the inner universe. But to my knowledge, there are seven chakras. So there's your first chakra, which the, and all these chakras are energy centers and they map to certain areas in the body. So the first chakra considered the root chakra, um, considered to have uh, grounding, the function of grounding in my understanding and, and also in my understanding to be very much connected to issues of safety. It maps on the body to the perineum, which is a piece of skin at the very bottom of your pelvis. Um, and then the second chakra, it basically maps to the, um, to the pelvic bowl. And this is the chakra of creative energy. And um, it also holds relationship it's creative energy is actually the the um, the origin of relationship to our to the physical world, and um, but when we are in a, a kind of broken-hearted or or um, distressed state, and when we've been <laughs> offered all these ideas that love is outside ourselves in romantic relationships and things like that, um, that distortion acts out a lot in that second chakra energy. This is my understanding and I have an experience that I want to share at the end of this description about this. Um, then your third chakra is your, um, your belly up where it connects with the rib cage, your solar plexus. You also have uh, your enteric nervous system. So this is like your, your one of your brains. I'm not gonna say it's your third brain because I don't wanna say which one is first, second, and third, but <laughs> you have a, a nerve center in your solar plexus area or in your belly area. And my understanding of the third chakra, and also this corresponds to my own experience, is that this is your lower will center. So it's how you move yourself in the world. And when I push and force, I feel this chakra tighten up. Um, then the, the fourth chakra is the maps to the heart, uh, which is another brain. And there is a, a place called the Heart, heart Math Institute where they actually study the, um, 
mental, I don't know what you should, what I should say, like the, the brain waves in a sense that, that come out of the heart or whatever, the kind of thought energy waves that come out of the heart. Um, so, and this is the center that I know how to connect with divine love. Um, and it's also by connecting with divine love is how I, how I experience alignment. So it'll be interesting to hear more about how, how Alexander experiences alignment. Um, and what is alignment? Alignment is we are always listening to, to a voice in order to move. We can listen to the ego's voice, our own ego's voice, or we can listen to this other voice. This other voice is alignment. <laughs> listening to this other voice is alignment. Um, okay, go on. Next chakra. Okay, next chakra is the throat chakra, which is a, a, the upper will center, and this is a, the expression center. Um, next chakra, I call the vision center. And uh, there are people who actually experience psychic vision as a, an extension of the talents of this chakra. I myself do not, so I can't speak about that. I do. Okay. I do. Cool. Um, this chakra also contains our like perceptual processing of the five senses. Uh, we all our five senses attached here. Plus, then our feeling sense on the physical level extends through the whole body, and that's not by mistake. Then the seventh chakra is the crown chakra, and this connects us to um, more etheric energies. So. Here's the experience I want to share, and then let's talk about alignment and whatever else we want to talk about. Um, I want to. I want to also go through the chakras again on another level. As okay, well. great. Yeah. So um, I worked very, 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 very hard at getting through the labyrinth of subconscious beliefs that were associated with my second chakra. In other words, I really believed that the unconditional love that that I saw in my mind, I would be able to realize in a relationship with a guy, um, and particularly this one particular guy I had in mind. <laughs> and uh, you I normally I, do have one in mind, don't you? <laughs> yeah, and uh, he didn't agree with me, but I wasn't going to be stopped. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, it took me a long time to to find my way out of that. But when I did, okay, when I realized that the pain that I had around love was that I felt overlooked and I realized ultimately, I, and I could, I could expand on this if you want me to, but I don't want to take all the time telling this story. So, but I realized that the reason I felt overlooked was because I was overlooking my own heart space and that I could never, um, I could never succeed at unconditional love in the way that I was envisioning it. And so I let go of that idea and I went through a, a, a transformational process after I finally came to prioritize my own heart space, um, including meeting someone who was just someone to be in my life and change my energy field. He was not a spiritual person. It was a, a, a gift to me for a season to actually uh, change. I had changed the emotional learning and the thoughts um, around my false idea of love, but I still had the energetic patterns trapped in my second chakra. And when I met this guy, for whatever reason, his energy field started to change that pattern for me. And when that change happened, suddenly overnight, 
my ideas about uh, sexuality changed, my ideas, and also my sense of um, safety. My sense of safety was tied up with um, concerns and fears I had around sexuality. And when those feelings, when that, those fears around sexuality cleared, then what happened was I had this amazing experience of grounding where I felt like I had, I wasn't even thinking about it, but suddenly this like 12 inch column of energy just went down through my first chakra and into the earth. And I was like, wow, I feel like, I feel like a martial artist in the sense that no one could push me off balance right now. Like I feel so grounded and happy. And, and my second chakra bloomed open and was just sitting there saying, I have all the power you could possibly need to create anything. What would you like to create? Um, so, so all the chakras have functions. Um, when, when I'm talking about opening the heart, I'm talking about connecting with that reference point for integrating with love, but there's still a lot going on and a lot to experience and a lot to explore in all the chakras. Okay. I turning the floor over to Alexander. Yeah, watch the chat. There's a question for you there. Yes. When I had this huge moment, did I have pain leave the body or soreness before it moved out? No, there was no pain or soreness. Okay, so going back to the chakras. Uh, um, so we have this word chakra and we have also another word plexus. You talk about the solar plexus, as is most famous, but actually all of the different chakras also have a name plexus. There's a lunar plexus and a solar plexus and there's all of the planets and name these plexi because the ancient Greeks also knew about the chakras as well as the Indians knew about the chakras. But the definition of them is slightly different. And the plexi are defined as energy centers that exist in your energy field, in your aura. Um, and they, like you described, map to different parts of the body. Whereas the chakras are defined as very specific points, energy, they're energy centers also, but they're specific, very tiny points inside the spine of the, of the person. And so they're actually contained inside the physical body. And the reason that we have, we talk about seven chakras is because there are seven of these energy centers inside the body. We have hundreds of them. Um, I just have a trouble with trying to be at the electricity charging my device. Uh, one moment. So we have seven of these that are actually really inside the body. And if you look up above your head and below your feet, you'll find other energy centers that are very, very similar, but they're not mapped inside the body. And that makes them a little bit less a core part of ourselves. There's something more otherworldly. We also have energy gates, energy that shifts from outside of our palms and from our other parts of our, our body. Uh, but is where the energy moves in and out. And of course, you'll have heard of meridians where, which is the energy that flows through the body. So we have so much of 
these different energy systems. But the chakras are one particular system that's quite important in many ways. And what I wanted to look at was how you actually focus on each, if you can actually focus on each chakra and feel it, it's a really good practice, so to get to know it. Mm. And so if you focus on the perineum or the base of the spine, or to be more general, your butt, you will feel the base chakra. And the second chakra, you can either look at the, the sacrum if, or your sexual organs and just feel what's going on in that. The third chakra, the belly, the Indian chakra system, they actually put it at the, at the belly button rather than at the base of the ribs. But, it's, but, but that's actually just a different distinction between the inside of the body or the plexus that flows through our aura system. So it's kind of somewhere in that region that you will be able to feel it. The heart is fairly obvious for most people. The throat, you can feel the constriction in your throat. The third eye, you should be able to feel the tension in your forehead and through that to feel the energy that's going on in your head. The crown is one of the, the subtlest. As soon as you try and focus on the top of your head, you kind of don't feel it in your body. You start to feel it kind of moving outwards. Um, so that's a good exercise to actually try to focus on each of those and get to know them if you're not familiar with them. Now, I'm going to hand the floor back to you for a minute and while I try to find a cable that actually charges my device. What are anybody's thoughts now, the conversation landing or what are you thinking? What questions or comments are in your mind right now? Okay, do you yep. have a, another question coming? I don't know how to say your name. I could speak about listening to one's, oh, okay. Many times I don't know which ego, which is the alignment, okay. So, I can speak about that for you. More than two. Okay. I'll read the question out in case anybody is not, not reading it. Okay. I wonder what Shauna said. Oh, oops, this is coming more. I wondered what Shauna said about listening to one's ego or to one's alignment. I want to know something. Many times I don't know which is the ego and which is the alignment. And in fact, I have more than two. As in many times I can see many voices. Do these voices come find you here? Okay. Do these voices speak to you um, or do they come from, like for instance, I can hear, I hear other things besides my ego and my alignment. Um, I also hear the voice of spirit sometimes. This is a, a wordless message. I also can ask my body a question and my body will respond or a part of my body. I think so, um, what I'm referring to is um, this uh, tendency that probably I have uh, to 
see uh, a lot of versions of the same idea. So, for example, when I'm in a situation where I have a question or, you know, a, a simple, sim simple or complicated, uh, conflicted situation, and yes, then the ego comes up and it can say all sorts of things, and then alignment might come up and say all sorts of things. But then I can also, um, uh, I, I think it's mostly rational, right? Because I'm not someone who hears, it. when I say see or hear, what I mean is that um, I think it's my, my mind can see um, many explanations or ideas or um, versions of reaction that can come up. And it's not always just two. And definitely, I don't always know which one is the one that you are talking about as okay. this or that. That's great. I can totally respond to that. Um, so in the, in the head or in the ego space, um, my experience is, and my observation of many people is, that there's um, a lot of figuring out because perception is uh, of equal weight in a sense. It's all, um, anyway, there are a lot of choices because we can think about it will go this way, it will go this way, it will go this way, it will go this way. We can even have different things that we feel like we want and we don't know how to resolve the different things we want with this particular situation. Um, whereas the sense of alignment is singular. There's only one thing that feels right. Um, so there's not so many choices once we get clear. So for me, when I have a situation where I'm caught in choices and confused, what I try to do is um, empty my mind and, um, and feel without thinking. So thinking can create feeling at, and, and then that gets confusing because it feels real. But the feeling that I'm looking for where I can connect with alignment is the feeling that's not created by my thinking. So I, sometimes have to use opposite thoughts like Alexander was talking about in order to uh, like if I'm afraid of something like I went on a walk and I was afraid of like redneck neighbors it's a long story <laughs> but I got a little bit uh, scared for my safety but and I got confused about am I actually feeling intuitively good about walking down this road and I'm just um, harassing myself with fear thoughts or am I actually feeling intuitively like I shouldn't be walking down this road right now because there's something not safe there so what I had to do was I had to get rid of my fear thoughts so I could let the emotion clear out of my feeling sense and then I could feel actually intuitively what was my right movement in that moment so I actually reasoned with myself as like, well I don't actually know my neighbors and I know that one of my neighbors sells uh, you know, bedding that's like free from chemicals and stuff like that. So one of my neighbors is kind of hip in a certain way. So I was just doing this to quiet the, uh, the ideas that I had in my head that I had learned from movies and also from my own experiences of people trying to be inappropriate with me. So um, once I was able to counteract those thoughts and then climb into the unknown, I was like, I really don't know my neighbors. And I was like, okay, I don't know. Oh, great. Let me climb into that space of I don't know. 
because the inner unknown is the place where your thoughts are quiet. And then uh, I descended into my feeling sense, and then I found the sense of safety. I, I was feeling safe. I was feeling fine when I was able to clear those thoughts. Does that help? Uh, yes, uh, uh, the concept of clearing your thoughts is uh, something that I have been battling with for years, so it's really difficult for me. I guess I am a very rational person. I, I use my mind a lot in terms of, not, 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 that I, not in terms of intelligence, just in terms of it's just I get stuck in it. Um, and so moving to this concept that you're talking about of what I truly feel about a particular thing intuitively, even when I am in meditation, it is sometimes difficult. So it's just like something that's, that's not, I don't have a good um, method yeah. that makes it possible. So some meditation techniques I find are sort of like, and I don't know what you're doing, but some meditation techniques are like sitting on the edge of the mind, still sitting in the head and daring, you know, trying not to think anything and sort of like daring your brain not to throw any thoughts in the middle there, but you're still, but there's still a quality of sitting in the head. So it can be very uncomfortable. Um, and it doesn't necessarily give you an alternative for how to navigate your world, then there are other, um, there are other meditation exercises that you can try where you're actually moving out of the headspace and into feeling, like noticing, I was talking with Anuj earlier, noticing what the inner space of your body feels like and becoming curious about that and so curious about that that it fills up your attention to the exclusion of this heady experience and if there are other possible exercises too um and we can certainly talk talk about that now or um I, you know it, one of the one of the gifts that comes with attending this webinar by the way is that anyone here can um schedule a 30-minute call with either myself or Alexander uh, at no charge. So just saying that now, because if you wanted to go over different exercises, we could do that in that call. Um, anyway, uh, so that's what that's where I would start. Like, it's hard to start, obviously, in right in the moment, in the heat of the moment. Um, but I'm sure that there are exercises that can help you start to experience something um, where you're building a reference point for connecting with that feeling. I think the, one of the questions in the chat is a good, um, is kind of relevant about how do we, how did we find where was our uh, comfortable center? And, and I think that kind of influences a lot. Once you've found that, then it's very easy to listen to that, to the voice of that to go into that and listen to that. But if you don't know where it is, then all you know is I don't want to listen and or, or I'm confused by all of the other voices or, or whatever. But if you have something very clear that you can go into, then it becomes much easier to listen. Mm -hmm. So how did we find that this is where, this is what works for me? How did, how did you find that, that your heart space is where you need to be? Um, okay, well, 
you know, I, I mean, I went on a journey that involved also running across information. So was that, was that by chance or was that by design? Um, okay. Yeah, so, that was a good point. Oh, how did you decide it wasn't the other ones? Well, actually, I actually have a question for, for I'm curious, Alexander, what it means to, um, I, I don't remember exactly what word to use, but you and I, I feel like it's important to use exactly what word to use. <laughs> but uh, okay, for me, I learned that when I enter my heart, I feel aligned, and I can, from that place, um, or from from a state of awareness that's integrated with my heart, I can integrate everything else. So it's not like that I enter my heart to the exclusion of everything else. That is how I integrate everything. Um, and I'm very curious that I can also um, journey inside my other chakras with my feeling sense. And in fact, I can journey inside someone else's mind who's thousands of miles away from me with my feeling sense. But I'm not moving I go in, I, I reside inside my feeling sense in order to do that. So I don't actually know what it means to, uh, and I'm curious what it means, Alexander, in your experience to, um, how would you say it? Whatever it is that you do in your root chakra or with your root chakra, <laughs> what is it that you do? Well, it's very, very similar. The difference is that it's, uh, the root chakra is very, very much about relaxation. And I found my, my spiritual path, actually, I first found the inklings of this answer that worked for me when I had a Qigong, a Chinese Taoist Qigong master who taught me to relax. I never before realized that you could relax when you were doing spiritual meditation. Meditations. I thought you were supposed to focus and concentrate and try hard. Mm -hmm. And that was um, at the beginning of the class, he used to say to us, relax, think about something else. I don't want to see anyone concentrating. And, <laughs> and if you ever have any trouble and it gets kind of stressful at all, just go and have a cup of tea. I don't want to see any stress in this class. It's all about relaxation. So I, I did this exercise of relaxing and and it worked so well we're, we're working on body movements just about relaxing the body movements and I started growing muscles I'd never had before and I, and I lost weight and and I went like this is really cool stuff and I started to apply it to my to my mind if I can relax and find what's natural rather than relaxing and um, and rather than trying to do something, try to find what's natural. Was I an anxious person? Not particularly. Not, I don't think I was more anxious than others. I think I have a greater need for relaxation. I think that the, the, when I operate at a level of stress that other people find quite ordinary and normal, I find that too, too strong for me. It's more like a, a sensitive person rather than an anxious person. 
Um, and so I, I didn't experience this as going into my, my base chakra. I, I experienced this as learning to relax, but essentially it was the same thing. And actually the, the technique that he taught us was very, very base chakra based. You, you actually focused on um, strengthening and tightening the muscles in your butt in order to move your arms, which is a strange, strange thing to do at first, but turns out to be very effective. And, and uh, singers would find it more familiar than others. It's used, used, in, used for voice training as, um, among other muscles. I have a question for you. Mm. Am I correcting you? It, uh, only in a good way. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Um, so my question is, um, do you feel that you move your sense of perspective into your base chakra when you focus this way or relax this way, that you would actually look out from, to look out at the world from your base chakra? I have to check. No, I think the connection to the world does come through the heart. Okay. But my center, where I sit, is in my base chakra. It's like I'm sitting in my base chakra and I'm looking out through my heart. Okay, I submit the possibility that what we are doing is not different, but that our uh, our language and perspective for how we understand it and focus on it is different because uh, entirely possible yeah i do um i mean i can focus in my root chakra and explore what grounding feels like and that is relaxing and i wouldn't want to sit in my heart to the exclusion of that awareness no no and we have, we have already agreed that all of the chakras have the value. Yes, yes. Um, but if I, if I focus on, you talk a lot about getting into the heart, and if I do those kind of practices where I think about heart and getting into heart, I, I end up a little bit not quite in alignment. That's and here we come back to, that, back to this question that we're trying to answer. How do you know when you're in alignment? Yes, yes, let's look at that. Uh, that's, that's, I think, a really, like really important question. Here. Wait, what'd you say, Jessica? Oh, Jessica, I feel like I want to chime in because it's the question I asked yeah. you. Um, I have like a direct example. So I feel like when I'm in a really joyful moment or I'm really in alignment, I feel it in like my lower stomach area. Like it just feels butterfly, but really good. Like I feel like, yes, this feels so right to me, like a knowing. But then I've noticed in the last few months that I have finally realized that like similar to you, Shanna, that like my sense of safety has never really been there. And so I've never been grounded. And so, and like you, Alexander, I'm one of you that believes that I need more relaxation than most people would in certain circumstances. So I feel like I definitely need to focus on that root chakra because I, I don't feel connected to it at all. And I feel like it would help me be better and more aligned and listen to my gut better if I had more of that. So I'm, I'm confused on like which one maybe could be my North Star so I, I don't yeah, wobble. Yeah. Okay, so, so I think there's, there's two practices that we're talking about. There's something that needs to be done for all of your chakras and there's something that needs to be found in one of them. 
there's a there's a purification and and cleansing and kind of learning that all of your chakras need in order to be operating in in their full potential you know that you need to get in there and oil and uh, tune up the engine for all of you but in that process you have to find where your driver's seat is mm. and 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 so there's these two things so maybe if you're feeling like you're you're not having that relaxation and that grounding then maybe this is a really good practice and exercise for you at the moment is to is to explore that root chakra and see what you find there which is not to say that it has to be your your north star it can just be one of the other stars in the sky <laughs> uh, but it's also important to find where your north star is and if i was to give a simple definition of it i would say it's where when you focus on that point you relax and you breathe deeply deeply into your lower belly not into your chest and stress breathing that comes from the chest but into your lower belly breathing and you feel good it's kind of like i can go into any of these centers and i can do them and i can feel the energies there and they can all feel good in different ways but when i but they take concentration i have to kind of make myself do it i have to concentrate on that and make it happen but if i kind of allow myself to drop into wherever it's kind of natural then i end up in my particular center where i feel really comfortable and then it's something that is really sustainable and easy to hold and not something that takes constant effort i see so i need to become i've been avoiding my chakra as friends and now i need to learn all their names and what they like and be friends with them i guess Get to yeah know. and then you can find it and then you can find your best friend when you've when you've made friends with all of them and your best friend might change uh day to day yeah. <laughs> thank you um I also find that I can I can feel it in others. I find these days that if I tune into somebody uh, depending on where their natural centering is, I feel more inclined to behave to to kind of connect with them more from that center that that is natural to them. And and also behave a little bit differently because of that. So I'll be sweeter with one and stronger with another because of the different energy centers that, that the connection happens through um if if uh if you were me and i was being with you <laughs> that's weird one of the things that comes to mind for me the way i would handle myself um around an awareness that i'm not feeling safe is uh i would so it seems that everything has a uh, sort of perceptual slash psychological component and an energetic component. So when we're talking about working with the chakras, we're talking about, or chakra awareness, we're talking about energy awareness. Uh, I would also myself be interested in exploring what, what are the things that I feel that make me feel unsafe. Uh, and with the purpose of not just exacerbating the issue by bringing it out, but by, um, understanding how I can 
heal that or what what it is that I need. I mean, for me, this is the other thing that's important about alignment and connection with the energy of love because um, this is where I feel the possibility for a different world, a world that runs by different rules because natural moral law comes out of love and people do not harm each other when they feel love energy in their heart. And um, so my sense of safety, I could never have found uh, if I was not on uh, this journey to integrating and finding my own alignment and, and trust in aligning with the energy of love. So whatever that's worth. Yeah, let's talk about ego. So ego is, is a word that's bandied about and we've touched on it today. And I think it's vastly misunderstood. I think people don't know what their ego is. And they don't know what they're supposed to do with it. They don't know what other choices there are. So um, how would you, what would you say ego is? How would you? Okay. What's your perspective on that? I would say that uh, basically, um, so we, we learned very early to try to navigate our world from memory and imagination rather than from the inner unknown and our feeling sense. And um, we learn this from being in situations that we don't understand. We learn this by example from our parents and our peers. We learn this by going to school where they want us to memorize and regurgitate. So uh, what happens is we end up storing ideas and emotional learning. Emotional learning like, um, you know, something happened in the sandbox and it didn't go our way and then, our, and then we got punished or something like that. And whatever idea that we might get from that. Or for me, my mom passed away when I, just before I turned four, although she hung around with me for a year in spirit. And then she left and told me that she had to go and she couldn't come back. And I learned the idea that God is a loving God, but has better things to do than to take care of me. <laughs> That's emotional learning. So I had to heal that. So anyway, basically the ego is a utility. It's a collection of uh, mental and emotional files that we have stored. Hey, learning how to drive a car, that gets stored in the ego structure. So it's not to get rid of our ego structure, um, it's to, it's to educate our ego structure. It's to take the education that we stored in our ego structure that is harmful to us because it tells us a story uh, that's scary and makes us dysfunctional. <laughs> it's to bring those aspects of our ego structure out into the light and re-educate the soul, re-educate ourselves so that we can replace those files with healthy files. Um, and also learn the skills of how to function, how to navigate each moment, not drawing on the ego, but staying in the inner unknown and feeling. However, as we grow in, um, re, re, as we re-educate ourselves and swap out the files in our ego structure for, for files that, um, from my perspective, uh, 
uh, well, are more functional and, and more integrated with love energy, then when we have a challenging moment that we fall out of our inner unknown and how to move from feeling, we don't fall as far out because our ego structure can catch us closer to what the now feels like. Um, because our, we've ideally we've replaced our negative um, memories with our memories and our and our trust in the now. It's actually it's it's a transition of trust. We grow up trusting, like I trusted this idea that God is a loving God, but has better things to do to take care of me. But this idea was painful to me, and um, and it made me. It gave it. It positioned me to have a really low self worth, and it positioned me to do crazy things in relationships, trying to fix my self worth. So healing that idea was really important. Um, coming to see myself and and God. I don't mind the word God. I don't know if other people don't like the word God, but it's. A three-letter word is one syllable it's really easy and it stands for something that is big that does exist what I experience the only way that, that I have experienced I, don't know, I think the experience of love energy points towards whatever I don't know what to say about that but um, but I needed to be able to here it is I needed to be able to trust the source of order in the universe and i had a source of order in the universe that didn't care about me i believed in love but it wasn't about taking care of me and um and i had to heal that in order to feel safe so um and i have healed that a good deal so my ego structure now has healthier files in it so that when I have moments that I'm not in the now, I'm nonetheless more functional than I used to be because I have healthier wisdom stored in my ego structure. That kind of sounds like you're saying that we have a pure experience of, of the love energy. And then we have a kind of construct that is built upon, built on top of that, which is like our, our, belief structure and our personality that is based on our, our experiences and beliefs and ideas. And this is, this is our ego. And that we, we don't need to get rid of the ego, but it would be nice to educate it to be a little bit closer to the experience of love energy. Right. The ego lives in, yes, the ego, the ego is a, um, it's, it's not a, it's not a thing or a person. It becomes personified because we identify with it, but it's just like a hard drive in a computer. Mm -hmm. We can improve what's on the hard drive, but we have to have something in place for the moments that we fall out of the now. So we will never be without a way of functioning when we're not in the now. Yes. I have a, I have a different definition of ego that I'm not sure is compatible or not, but it's interesting. Okay. So it may be worth talking about. So a lot of people see ego as, as kind of self, 
selfishness. Mm. Talk about someone who's egotistical, someone who's selfish, who cares about themselves more than others. And on that basis, they talk about getting rid of the ego, becoming selfless, where you care about others rather than caring about yourself. And my experience of that is, well, it's not really possible. This is my first point, because we always have a sense of self on some level, uh, whether it's a divine self or a, or a mundane human self, it's still, there's still a sense of self. I guess there are some experiences where we transcend self and, and just experience the nature of some other reality. But we don't normally do that in our day-to-day -day lives. So it doesn't really, it's not really relevant to how we treat the neighbor next door because when you're talking to that neighbor, you're not in the other reality so much. You're actually kind of on some level, you have a sense of self, even if it is an expanded spiritual sense of self, there is still something there. So the concept of getting rid of your ego is we have to throw out the window. So what can we replace it with? I think it's expanding the ego to become greater. If, it's a, if the ego is about your sense of self, your selfishness, then the, the growing up and becoming closer to love energy is realizing that this self that I care for includes others, that I actually care for my, and identify with myself and my friends and my neighbors and and so I become more loving because I'm expanding that sense of identity. And eventually, perhaps we can expand it to be universal and care for all beings. But I'm not actually leaving myself out of that. I'm still, I still care about myself. So I see the, the expansion of our circle of care as a kind of development of the ego. That's beautiful. I would love to respond. <laughs> Which mm. is, uh, um, so yeah, selfishness, but what is the self that you're saying? What is the self that, uh, that we're being selfish about? Because our ego can tell us, or in other words, um, we can have uh, a program, a subconscious program running that's telling us that we should uh make everybody else happy around us and mm. that can make it impossible for us to actually feel our own alignment and i'd love to talk also about what is this alignment thing <laughs> yes we really need to talk about that it's really important <laughs> because um so in my understanding and this also gets back to what we were talking about earlier about fun um my goal is to be love itself meaning that it's like a an ascension of my sense of self that first i started out as this small worthless um body that needs to look attractive to men in order to earn love and and gradually my sense of self has been ascending and now i i experience my sense of self actually as this immortal sound this this uh like this frequency that is spirit that will never change or fade um that's but but then the, 
um, that's a high, that's the highest sense of self. I don't know. I could also feel a sense of self that that's identifying with the love energy that's coming through me in moments that I'm feeling very expanded. Um, and this sense of self does include other people in, um, the acknowledgement of oneness and even this cricket i was i have been practicing like being happy that the cricket is happy <laughs> rather than annoyed at the sound <laughs> but um but alignment is so important because and this is how i tell the difference of whether i'm um tripping on a crazy sense of self or whether i'm connected with a true sense of self it all comes down to alignment because someone else can be crazy. They can be in an unhealthy ego pattern or subconscious emotional learning pattern. And if I say I need to make them happy, then I can be distorting, playing twister with my own energy field, trying to please somebody else's craziness. This is the importance of alignment, of connecting with a sense of universal truth that doesn't come from what we think in the head, but it comes from deep inside because that truth allows us to be free and it allows us to allow others to be free. And how else are we going to have a, an enjoyable, harmonious experience on this planet, except if people own their own relationship with this like universal flow that we feel our part in the dance and we allow others to fill their part, and then we flow together, which is exactly how this meeting came to be. This is not like Alexander and I know each other very well, but we started to talk and we could both feel each, I mean, this is what I felt, okay? I felt both of us moving in our own alignment and no force in the, the conversation between us, um, and I felt a natural inspiration for us to dance together. And I felt like I can trust dancing with this person because I feel him moving in alignment and, and constantly checking on that and coming back to that for himself. And so I know that this is going to be an inspired dance where there's not going to be any harm. There's only going to be harmony. I, I think what it's worth noting that we actually avoided talking too much before this seminar so that you could experience us getting to know each other and sharing our ideas and and our differences of opinion and kind of seeing how they fit together rather than us, than us doing that beforehand and coming up with some very prepared um, version. Do you mean dancing the tango? It is very much like the tango, though I'm not terribly good at tango. Uh, it, is, it is very much like tango. Um... Yes. But there is a there is a dance that I particularly particularly like called contact improvisation. Oh, it was actually the other tango. Which is which is you know like it looks like a three dimensional and rolling all over each other and acrobatics, but it actually feels like uh, and the way it's taught is that there is there are no rules or moves. There is only focusing on the experience. What does it feel like where you touch that person? What does it feel like when you move with that person? And, and this is closer to what we're talking about, I think, than tango. Because tango is, 
has a lot of moves that are practiced and you know them ahead of time. Well, this is like, this oh. is something where we don't know the moves. Yeah. As a follower, my, most of my experience in tango um, is as a follower. And the follower, mm. this is why I got into tango. The follower mm. does not know what's happening next, period. Mm. There's no, uh, ro I've been led through moves I've never done before. Oh, that's fantastic. And, but in order to be able to be ready in that dance, I have to hold my own balance. I have to hold my own axis. So I was totally sold on Tangling Wheel. I was like, this is the movement version of spiritual practice. Now, the leader's side is different because the leader has to understand how to drive this car that has four legs and, you know, <laughs> two axes and maybe sometimes just one axis. And uh, so I feel like the leader, and I've only, um, I've dabbled for a long time, but only dabbled in the leader's role. And there's a, a, a long period of skill learning that keeps you kind of left brain. But once you start to integrate those skills, I think the leader's role coordinates more towards um, a metaphor for for a manifestation for the creativity aspect of... Um, well, that, it's a lot easier. The reason that men do the lead role in, is because it's harder for men to do nothing, much easier for them to kind of choose a direction and take it rather than to just, just I'm be. I'm gonna say that it. next time a guy mm. said he can be a follower without having studied how to do it. <laughs> yeah. I say, you know what? To really do nothing and allow it to happen is really a hard job actually, <laughs> particularly for men. And the more masculine men, men you are, the harder it is. I, I, I'm reasonably feminine and I kind of get the feeling of it, but I still, it's like I realize not so much in dance, but in life, how much I find it difficult to stand still and allow and how I always, always am moving in some direction. I wanted to ask you, you talked about following this, this inner spiritual connection, connectedness and, and the sense of a greater self and, and how important this is for, for living a harmonious life. And I wanted to ask you, how good at it do you think you are? Better than I was. <laughs> <laughs> and not as good as I will be. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's going to be the answer for the whole of life, isn't it? Yes, yes, yes. But I, uh, I'm good enough at it now to have fun and kind of keep myself out of trouble most of the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How else yeah, would, I, shall I answer that question? How, how would I answer that question would be uh, not as good as I'd like to be. But, but certainly I feel like I have learned a lot and, and I'm life is a lot easier and more fun than it was before. And I think I'm more effective than I was before. So I think it's important and good and, you know, there's always so much more to learn. I, I'm reminded of the, the story of one of the great cello players. And he was a very, very old man, he was 70 or 80, and he was practicing four or five hours a day and he was known as the, the greatest master of this instrument in the world. Mm. And somebody asked him, why do you do so much practice? You're already such a master. And he said, I think I'm making a little bit of progress. <laughs> <laughs> I 
in a in a way that made you really feel that he was he didn't think he was very good at all. Yeah. He he really felt like there was so much more to learn. Yeah. And I think this is how it will always be. For sure. What I um yeah. what I'm grateful for um is that I have enough um, trust in traveling the inner unknown that I'm now finding that I can uh, that I can connect with other people and that I can offer them some helpful insight so, which is beautiful because I will tell you that there that it has taken me to a whole other level of love and a whole other level of heart expansion to 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 listen inside for the voice of truth uh, in each moment, which in other words means that I'm feeling, I'm checking my alignment for what I say uh, and trying to feel the other person and checking my alignment for what I say. And then just doing that process and the fruit that comes out of it for, for another person and also for myself, it's like totally, I can't believe the bigness of love that I have felt from that experience. That mm -hmm. really true. I mean, I think that um, I don't know. It's not like I've studied the Bible at all, but some things come to mind. Um, oh, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. Jesus being um, a symbol of what it's like to embody this experience of love. But I, I just feel it's just. In other words. My own journey of trying to heal my own mind, I could only experience so much love in that journey because I am not just this one person, right? I am everyone and it's in the extension of love to others and in that experience of dancing with others that I feel such, um, such a bigness that I could never have achieved in my own little eye uh, on this journey for years by myself. I, I've actually come to the point where I find doing things for myself kind of depressing. I don't even enjoy them at all. It's like if, if I don't have someone to serve, someone to help me, what's the point? Um, that's the serving others and the being with others that, that the joy is in. I'm really I, and I'm really kind of excited that I'm starting to be able to help others find this kind of feeling in themselves as well. I don't feel like I'm terribly good at it, but I feel like I kind of manage. I kind of like messily manage to have the conversation with people and, and, and uh, help them to find something eventually after, <laughs> after mucking around for a bit. Um, I think but I'm... But I'm very committed to it, you know, I really, I really want to help and I'm really happy to help anyone that I can help and to try even where I don't know if I can help. Um, and and I, it's very, feels very important to me to be able to, to, to do that. And, and in the end, my, my commitment is not so much to me doing sessions with people and becoming a great healer, it's that I want to see this experience popular. I want to see a society where people can live and experience this and in whatever way it takes. And so 
if that requires talking to people, then then let's talk to people. But there are other times when I think I just need to go out there and play some music and give people a good time. And that's maybe also a way of doing it. But uh, I would just like to see this this joyous celebrating kind of experience that can be there through this through this experience to become more easily accessible to people so that anybody who, who wants it can have it. Me too.